Please hello and welcome to Listen I Made a Hat. I'm your host, Sheila O'Neill, and today we'll be stepping behind the curtain to discuss elements of set design in several Sondheim shows. In 1970, Company changed the face of Broadway forever. The show is set in New York City, and while both revivals available on commercial video feature a minimalist approach to the set, the original show featured a backdrop of the city and a series of platforms representing the apartments, along with a functional elevator. Not only did this set perfectly reflect the busy industrial nature of New York, it also had a hand in influencing the material of the score. In the opening song, the word love is held by the actors for a full 40 seconds. According to Sondheim, quote, This was not for purposes of irony. It was the time Michael Bennett needed to choreograph the 14 members of the cast from their scattered positions on a half-dozen stage levels into a climactic wedge downstage center in time for the second chorus. I estimated how long it would take for the elevator to rise and fall and the actors to descend the staircases, then had to find something for them to sing that would be intelligible for 40 seconds worth of running down glassine steps, pushing through evolving doors, and riding down in an elevator. Love conquered all, just as it's supposed to. Unquote. Although few subsequent productions have featured an elevator, the note remains the same in the score, a remnant of the complicated glory of the original set design. Assassins, on the other hand, has always lent itself to a more minimalist approach. A large part of the show is about how these successful and would-be assassins are watered down by history. Seldom remembered as complex individuals, they become symbols, representing only key aspects of their motivations and attempts. Similarly, the objects and locations present in the show a carnival, an electric chair, a schoolbook depository, don't need to be detailed recreations. It is enough for the audience to understand what it is that the set piece is meant to represent. And since the show takes place in so many different locations, many productions, including the original, have decided to use projections for backdrops. But projections can be more than just backdrops. The final scene of the show is a brilliant example of John Weidman's talent, and is noteworthy no matter how it's portrayed, but it was brought to the next level in the 2004 revival. The Zapruder film of the Kennedy assassination was projected onto Lee Harvey Oswald's white t-shirt, a concept remarkable enough for Sondheim to list it among the moments that get him back to work when he feels discouraged, moments that make him remember what musical theater can be. Sweeney Todd is a musical thriller with an epic score and larger-than-life characters. The set for such a show has the imposing task of matching the mood of the piece. However, there are several different locations that must be visited throughout the show. It would be difficult, if not impossible, to build a large elaborate set for each location, and a minimalist set can seem out of place among the grandeur of the Victorian melodrama. Out of place enough, in fact, for Broadway parody review Forbidden Broadway to mock one revival of the show, referring to the production as Teeny Todd, the smaller version of Sweeney. And so, a production needs to find a balance between scale and practicality. The original production solved this problem with an innovative yet simple solution. A cube. The cube has one set on each side. Mrs. Lovett's shop, the basement, the sitting room, and a blank wall for everything else. With the tonsorial parlor on top. The set takes the audience quickly through the show's locations without sacrificing size. There may be some, like John Doyle, who can get away with a bare-bones set, but for many, the cube is as much a part of the musical as factory whistles and murder, an essential aspect of Sweeney. While a well-done set does a lot to enhance a show, the wrong set can do just as much to detract from it. There were several reasons why the original production of Merrily We Roll Along was so short-lived, and one of them was the set. 
The concept of having the show look like it was being put on in a high school auditorium made sense for the plot and the casting, but at the end of the day, it still looked like it was being put on in a high school auditorium, and that means flat, cheap-looking sets. And at Broadway prices, that's not enough to satisfy an audience. Folly's original set was quite the opposite, showy, elaborate, and perfect for the show. Its only problem was its cost, and while the original production ran for 522 performances, it lost its entire investment. Sometimes a set revolves around individual pieces, like Anyone Can Whistle with its Miracle Rock, Litter, and Living and Loving Rooms. Sometimes the space dictates the set design, like the original Yale performance of The Frogs, which was performed in a pool. Other times the set transcends its physical boundaries, like in Sunday in the Park with George, where the set itself acts as the canvas of George Surratt's masterpiece. A musical is, by nature, a collaborative effort. What is heard is very important to a musical, but so is the visual element. The work that goes into a set is effort well spent, as the world portrayed on stage, whether it's realistic or symbolic, plays a large part in creating the mood of a show. Thank you for listening. This has been Listen, I Made a Hat. You can find us on iTunes and at listenimadeahat.com. I'm Sheila O'Neill, and to find out more about me, you can visit SheilaO'Neill.com. And the quote of the day is, A vision's just a vision if it's only in your head. If no one gets to see it, it's as good as dead. It has to come to life.